welcome to episode 21 of the Two Button Crew podcast. Today we are doing a deep dive on Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Specifically the newest release of King of Cards, but we're going to hit it all. That's what we like to do at Two Button Crew. I'm Scott. I am joined by Simeon and Glenn. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing well. How are you? Doing great. No technical difficulties whatsoever. <laughs> TBC is known for just smooth running, especially with technology. Yes. Yeah. Every time. we've. I don't think we've ever had a mishap, especially when it comes to recording audio. I can't think of any. Well, we've got a great game to talk about today, Shovel Knight. It is one of the only successful Kickstarter stories, at least the best one that I can think of. Yeah. And one of the original. A great indie game that uh, has built itself an amazing reputation. And it's really more than a game. It's a series at this point. Started out as a Kickstarter project. They wanted to make a platformer game that was inspired by some of their favorite experiences from the old days of NES and maybe even Genesis. What what do you guys uh, notice about the inspirations of Shovel Knight, the kind of different games and genres that they pulled from? I notice a lot of influence from Mega Man specifically, um, not just in platforming. I think platforming is... A portion of it but uh, especially the music and the graphical style yeah they actually had one of the, uh, some some of the songs were composed by uh, one of the composers from the classic Mega Man games right I think I might have heard that before yeah but I, I would not I think be the uh, at all. treasure Knight stage uh, the iron whale I think was composed by one of the Mega Man composers Okay. I was really pleased to see them pull that in because not a lot of video games take inspiration from Mega Man. You see a lot of references to Mario and Zelda and whatnot, but the whole eight boss setup and everything loved it. Yeah, um, there's some inspiration, obviously, from like uh, the Ducktales game as well with the the pogo mechanic, uh, at least in classic Shovel Knight, not necessarily the other ones. But yeah, it's it's clearly pulling a lot from. Uh, from the classic NES, uh, I don't know what to call it, canon, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the developers actually talk about that mechanic coming from Zelda 2. Oh. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I, I was going to say uh, DuckTales as well, but I did not know that they were specifically... Um... Yeah, I never got far enough into Zelda 2 to get that ability, so I don't associate with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they definitely talked about doing gameplay first, which is something Nintendo loves to develop with in mind, but it's nice to see Yacht Club Games do that. And by the way, that developer is kind of the remnants of some people that left WayForward, I believe. Mm -hmm. So You say that uh, like WayForward closed down or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely a split. Yeah, I don't think I've never heard anything about it not being amicable though. I think they just wanted to go off and do their own thing. Yeah, you can read a good story about it in uh, Jason Schreier's book. He works for Kotaku and wrote Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which is ten chapters. Each chapter is the story of a different game's development, and one of them is Shovel Knight. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, pretty insightful. 
Um, yeah. Now, interesting thing is Shovel Knight definitely, while it is very much in the NES um, aesthetic, it actually does take some liberties with it. So it, it is kind of interesting for me because I, I like knowing what those technical limitations are uh, playing it. Like it has parallax scrolling and uh, in the backgrounds and um, there are many, many shades of yellow uh, visible on screen. Which is, if, if you know the NES's graphical capabilities, it actually could not do true yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that it couldn't do true yellow. I know that it had like a nasty like brown yellow, and they used that a lot. Uh, yeah, there, was... there's like this it, kind of orange, goldish maybe color. Um... So I think that this project is definitely a... Uh... The perfect example of feature creep. They launched with a Kickstarter, said they wanted to make this you know, nice little charming indie game, but did a lot of stretch goals because the funding really picked up in the back half and just tens of thousands of dollars kept pouring in. So they said, we'll make a campaign for three other bosses. And each time they went to work on one of those campaigns, they wanted to put in new gameplay, new ideas, things that they weren't able to include in the original and it just kept getting bigger and bigger to where they were actually standalone indie games so i remember this kind of shift when they put out a press release that was like we're going to actually have to sell these things but i think they did it in a really clever way to at least appease the original kickstarter backers by giving away it away for free shovel knight became shovel knight treasure trove which would include everything and the only thing that i think backers got a little burned on is they Got to. They only got the new updates on their original platform of choice, which became a generation old over the development of this series. But so that's kind of the case for you, right? So I mean, everything's coming in on your 3DS. Right. Yeah, I've had to play pretty much everything on my 3DS up until now, which I got uh, Shovel Knight Showdown on Switch. Nice. And since I'm connected to your Nintendo account, I can. Uh, if I can find a place where I can get Wi-Fi, <laughs> I can download uh, the rest of the titles. But yeah, um, other than, of course, um, Shovel Knight Showdown, which is not available for 3DS. Right, because it's local multiplayer only. And I mean, they could have made that work with uh, wireless download, but yeah. man, that would be a lot of development and resources for an old platform. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I honestly don't mind it that much. Like, it's kind of a pain to get my 3DS out, but whenever I do, I mean, it's just, you know, basically taking it out of the box, plugging it in, yeah, and playing, which is a blast every time. What are yeah. you playing uh, Shovel Knight on, Glenn? Uh, I play it on my Wii U, because that's what I initially got on. I got on, like, 50% off on a sale, and so mm. every time a new update comes out, I just boot up the Wii U. <laughs> nice. Do you use a serial Wii U for anything else? Um, presently, no. I've been meaning to go back and, like, uh, replay Pikmin 3, but, um, yeah. you know, I'm definitely hanging on to it because I bought those games, and I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who's like, oh, I'm going to sell all my old games and then buy the new version for the current console because yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back and play those, but I like to keep them around just for the option, so it, it doesn't make sense economically. The Wii U has a really nice eShop. I wonder if yes. I should go back there and pick up some virtual console stuff before it gets shut down yeah didn't you say that you were uh you were boycotting the uh virtual console like a Did couple I? years ago on a blog 
It's like, it's not transferable between devices, so I'm not going to buy from them anymore. <laughs> oh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, Nintendo needs to fix that. Okay. So, let's get into some general impressions on Shovel Knight. Overall, I really love the whole aesthetic, the visuals, the music in the world. Um, I I think the part that stands out to me the most when I think about Shovel Knight is the animations. They mm. put a lot of character into the animations, whether you're just opening a chest, which would be just a very simple thing in most games, but they made it so it's fun. Or I love the way... King Knight opens up a platter. He's spinning on the top and unscrewing it. They put so much attention to detail. Another one of my favorites is Plague Knight. You would get to... Because Plague Knight wasn't as completely original of a campaign as the other two that they made later. He was still kind of going through Shovel Knight stages. So you would see the Shovel Knight-shaped doors. And I (laughs) I saw one of those, and I thought... I'm not going to be able to go through this part. They just left it in there. But no, he like contorts his body and squeezes in there and gets to go through the door, but he falls out and is like clearly hurt and everything. I'm like, this is amazing. I love oh, yeah, the, I forgot about that. Anim- that was great. Yeah. Props to the animators. What what stands out for you two? Uh, so like I, I've already mentioned some of the stuff visually uh, just stands out to me because it's not 100% accurate, which I think is a good thing. They're, they were, you know, they didn't feel shackled to the limitations of the era. You know, they clearly put a lot of effort to make it look... Uh, how, how do I describe it? They succeeded in what I, uh, I think the term is verisimilitude. It mm-hmm. feels right, but it isn't technically correct. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate that. Uh, the animations, like you said, um, were great. Uh, and I'll admit... Um, the music is one of those things where it's good, but it never really resonated with me personally. As um, far as it's not sticking in your head? Yeah, it's one of those things where, at least for the original soundtrack, I, like, I think the music got better uh, the further into the series you get. But um, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, this is really good. Uh, I like this music in context, but it's one of, not one of those things where like, when you go back and you listen to it afterwards, you're, you know, you're jamming out to it. That's kind of my, my measure of a soundtrack is, can I listen to it outside the context of the game and still um, find immense en- enjoyment from it? And it's like, again, I'm not saying it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's really good, but... It's one of those things where it's not my first pick if I'm just going to listen to music for its own sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think what really stuck out to me um, when I... St- stuck? Is stuck a word? Uh, stuck. stuck. Stuck out? Uh, what really stuck out to me <laughs> is... <laughs> um, for, at first, it's just the world. Um Honestly, Shovel Knight feels like uh, the the characters that you come across, and you know you have these like a, a goat in a in a frilly dress walking through town, and you know it's that that kind of silliness um, is something that I think was much more common of fantasy in the '80s because now fantasy is like for whatever reasons really trying to take itself seriously, and everything's just a big D and D ripoff uh, these days. Um, so you don't really. Fantasy doesn't have the whimsical aspect that it did back in like the 70s and the 80s. 
So you know which D and D ripoffs really get under my skin are the Zelda ones. Man. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, okay, so you've, you've, like you've never silliness. played D&D before because um, I, I can tell you that much because the Zelda uh, rule system that we've been playing with is not like D&D. It's not very similar to D&D at all. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I really I, I really appreciate that. And that's something that I wish fantasy um, would kind of bring back is... Um, you know, oh, talking animals and um, silly stuff, and not everything is you know dwarves and elves. And if you're going to do dwarves and elves, then do them in a way that's at least somewhat original. They're not afraid to color outside the lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's something I greatly appreciated uh, about Shovel Knight. I echo what both of you guys have said, and I agree with you, Glenn, on the soundtrack. I think that it is—it's a great soundtrack. Um, and like while I was playing it, I got a lot of like nostalgia feel, and it was really good, and it kept me like in the game, and it kept me engaged. Um, but like I can only think of like one, maybe two tracks off the top of my head, like huh. playing it through. Whereas like with Mega Man, like I know the whole series. Like you can play a little piece, and I know, you know, especially the classic series. I know what stage it is from what game. But with uh, Shovel Knight, it would be a little bit more difficult. I'd probably still be able to place it just because of the thematic aspect. But I think there was only one track that, like, besides, like, the planes, I think, is iconic. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, the main theme, theme is good. And I think the Iron Whale, which, um, as we've already discussed, I don't think was done by Jake Kaufman. <laughs> I feel bad that that's, like, my favorite stage theme out, outside of the planes. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's the one that was done by a guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the other one that stuck out to me was uh, Tinker Knight stage. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as I entered it, and I, I like I said, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But as soon as I entered it, I was like, this is a Mega Man song. Like, this is... I think that may have been the other one that the, uh, the uh, woman who composed... I think she did, like, Mega Man 3 or something. Um, did. <laughs> that, that does not surprise me at all. Because I'm like, literally pick this up and put it in a Mega Man game. Nobody would know the difference. It fits perfectly. So That's soundtrack, yeah. Yeah, soundtrack was, was really good. I, like Glenn said, I don't know if it would stick with me beyond that. The world was amazing. The just little touches. Um, and I, I, I haven't... I've only played through Spectre Torment once and I enjoyed the story, but I actually really enjoyed the story. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that especially with um, Plague of um, Shadows that it was just going to be like, oh, this is just going to be replacing Shovel Knight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, and it kind of was in the levels a little bit, but the gameplay was very different and the story was a lot more. And then, especially and are, are we talking about the story as a as a whole, or for that specific, for that specific um, campaign? All right. Well, we're, then, we're going to get to each campaign uh, individually. Yeah. So, oh, I, I was just saying, like mm-hmm. the story, I expected to be kind of the same, 
but I appreciated that they the story was actually something that I could enjoy every time in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of getting to those campaigns, we'll start with where it all began, Shovel of Hope. Of course, this is kind of a, a New Hope situation <laughs> where that name was not in place when the campaign first came out, but kind of retrofitted. Yeah, and can, can I just say... I don't like that. I don't like the fact that they renamed the first game. I, I think it should just be Shovel Knight. This is Shovel Knight. It's the base model. It's the base game. And uh, everything else is like a, a sequel or a spinoff. Uh, and, you know, you can't even just say, oh, well, the whole collection is Shovel Knight. No, the whole collection is Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. I just... Yeah. That, that was like the only part of that announcement that legitimately or genuinely ticked me off. <laughs> Glenn, you are the stereotypical 50-year-old Star Wars fan. <laughs> it's still Star Wars to me. <laughs> I I agree though because Shuffle of Hope, like when people started saying Shuffle of Hope and like I started seeing that, I'm like, what is that? Like is that like uh, a separate mode and yeah then, like i was like oh okay i mean it was complicated they had to pull it off going we have this kickstarter and backers uh, people that own something and expect to own more then we have the skew we've been selling then we plan to start selling this other stuff and we have to now explain what everything is i remember us we had to make a tbc episode just to yes. sort and wrap our mind around what was what but yes, Shovel Knight became Shovel Knight, Shovel of Hope. That's the classic, the original, with the shovel-based gameplay. And um, I don't know exactly what to say about it on its own, because a lot of the mechanics that it introduced are reused. But I will say playing it for the first time was awesome. felt just like at home with an NES game or something. Um, they really thought of a lot of clever ways to use the shovel, whether you were digging up treasure, breaking blocks, using it in combat. Definitely a really um, versatile weapon and tool that you hadn't seen in a game before, question mark? Not real, not to the extent that you see it here, I don't think. Not as a primary. Not as a shovel blade. Not no. your everyday carry. No. Yeah. Um, I I really yeah. When I first played it, I honestly I was surprised how much I liked it. Uh, it's every you know, the controls feel really good. Um, the there's lots of uh, collectibles and hidden passages, and the thing is, they're not like really obtuse or arbitrary in the way they're laid out. They, typically, if you just have a little bit of pattern recognition, um, you can uh, find secrets pretty easily. Uh, which is not to say I've found everything in the original game, um, but um, it it is kind of um, compared to the others. It does feel a little bit vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, like the power ups you get are pretty basic, and moving forward they would make like the power ups would get a lot more eccentric, and not just like what they are, but how they work. They do much more nuanced things. Here it's just like okay, shoot a projectile. Uh, and that's it. Shoot yeah. an arcing projectile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so stuff right. like that. Um, yeah, the, the, the bouncing works. I think really my only major contention with uh, the original Shovel Knight is some of the levels can feel really, really long. 
Yeah. I I definitely agree with that. I felt that in the what is it the frozen mm. ship stage yeah. and the uh, um, propeller knights stage, which reminds me to talk about checkpoints. They have this really interesting system with checkpoints oh, yeah. where you could break them if you were wanted to risk that. You would get a big rewarded money, but then if you died, you would have to go back to the previous checkpoint or the start of the level if you hadn't used any other ones. So I thought that was really cool as far as risk reward. And Shovel Knight, Shovel of Hope was also inspired by modern games as well, not just retro roots, but you definitely felt the Dark Souls influence where you lose your money and you have to go back and uh, reclaim yeah. it unless it's gone forever and that's and another thing i really appreciate is is that there are mm-hmm. no lives in shovel knights that actually yeah. um i'm working on a game in my spare time and that actually is what convinced me to not put lives uh, in the game that i'm working on oh cool thank you yacht club games mm-hmm. so i liked that money mechanic a lot in shovel of hope i think it got a little old by the time i was finishing up king of cards and i just pretty much stopped caring about my money and was like i just want to beat the game but i'm glad that at least in shovel of hope with these really long levels they had plenty of checkpoints yeah as long as you're playing on the normal difficulty and not uh, i never tried any of those did you i uh, i can't remember which campaigns i did try that on i know i'm pretty sure i tried it on plague of shadows mm-hmm. uh Spoiler alert, that was my favorite campaign. Uh, barely. Um, how do you guys think Shovel of Hope, we touched on it a, a little bit, how do you think it's um, aged as far as specifically against this collection? Um, but, I mean, in general, it's how, how many years old? Five years old now? Yeah. yeah. Um, it has been a little bit of time since I've gone back and replayed the original, but I think, uh, based on what I remember, I think it still holds up pretty well, because each, um, each uh, chapter, each game, really does its own unique thing, and um, I think because Shovel Knight was the first project, it, it's the baseline, um, mm-hmm. it actually holds up remarkably well, because everything else is like trying to be something very specific and shovel knight just kind of covers all the bases yep yeah um you know going back to vanilla you know people say vanilla is like kind of a a dismissive term nowadays but vanilla is actually a really good flavor like part of the reason that people say oh it's vanilla is because you put vanilla in everything yep (laughs) it you, you make brownies vanilla you you yep. make like a you know some sort of strawberry treat vanilla. It's you know. <laughs> I would rather have vanilla than like all of the other flavors mashed together, in like uh, some sort of like nasty Frankenstein thing. <laughs> vanilla sounds much better to me. Yeah. Than, yeah. I and I I agree. I think so. How do you think? If they are, they planning on doing a sequel to Shovel of Hope specifically, like where you're playing as Shovel Knight, a new campaign? I think so, but I think it'll be at least a generation later, right? As far as what they're trying to emulate with um, 
Ah, uh, sorry, last word. Like graphically and yeah, yeah, I think we may see nostalgia. A, a super Shovel Knight. Mm-hmm. That seems like the logical um, direction, though they did uh, uh, for April Fools' tease uh, a Shovel Knight sixty-four. <laughs> They've actually been talking about that for years. They really want yeah. to do Shovel Knight in three D. Oh I'm no, afraid. no, it wasn't three D. It was a Commodore sixty-four port. Oh, Commodore sixty-four. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah, it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I originally played Shovel of Hope on the Wii U, and I actually bought the whole package again on Switch because I wanted it more readily available. And in those that gap of years between playing it on the Wii U and Switch, I was kind of remember, remembering it as a good game, but then I played it on Switch, and I thought, oh, no, wait, this is actually excellent. Hmm. Every level is amazing, and their attention to detail is top-notch, so... I think it aged super well, and I don't see how it will ever age bad. Yeah, and they, they've I mean, actually expanded on the base game because now there's, like, co-op and stuff in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Simeon, why is Plague of Shadows your favorite? Well, wait, hang on. We don't really talk hang about on. the story about the, the first hey, Shovel Knight. Glenn, Glenn, hang on. we got to talk about the story. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really liked the story as well, I mean, especially the Shield Knight stuff. He, that was really the heart of the story to me and i'm not much of a story guy in games but i at least gave shovel knight the time of day to read it and appreciate it yeah i think they do a really good job of like um you know they keep the relationship between shovel knight and shield knight kind of ambiguous i know a lot of people like to think that they're romantically entwined though it's it's never outright stated um, but, you know, you do really get that sense that Shovel Knight does care about Shield Knight throughout the story, um, and it, it does motivate you. And one of the things is that I personally like is that I like stories where the motivation for the hero is personal. Because um, mm-hmm. Shovel Knight, you know, it, it becomes clear the more you play it that defeating the Order of No Quarter for Shovel Knight is kind of tangential like his goal is to say mm. it's like oh the tower's open i can go in i can save shield knight that that's ultimately yeah. his motivation it's just shovel knight's also happens to be a good guy and that's one of the things is that i like about shovel knight is he, he's he's just a good guy but you know it shows that you know even a good guy can have his own motive for doing something instead of just mm. well i'm going to save the world because that's the right thing to do <laughs> yeah yep and that's probably very important for a faceless character, someone who's wearing a helmet, to be able to relate to them on a personal level in some way, even mm-hmm. if that's their attachments. So, by the way, what is that name? The Order of No Quarter? Quar- quarter no- means mercy. So that's something you'd say in war, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No No quarter. Oh, okay. I see. Um, and also- I think it's kind of a play on quarters being an arcade thing. Yeah. I I, yeah. I think that was intentional. I I agree. That or they just um, like the, the the cadence of it. That's good too. Yeah, the order and quarter. Uh-huh. I actually really appreciated how they did Black Knight because he at first you know you're like oh this is you know generic bad guy that I'm gonna face later. Basically zero. I kind of got that feeling. Uh, yeah. Zero, Shadow, um, yeah, but, it's, it's a common trope. I, I did a whole but, article. 
but I really appreciated like when you when you got to the end, you're like, okay, Black Knight isn't. First of all, he's not like any of the other Order of No Quarter Knights. He doesn't have the same motivation. He is the reason he's doing what he's doing is to protect Shield Knight as well. Um, and you see that care for him, like when there's kind of that reveal there near the end of the game. Like, or, or yeah, that actually was a really that. cool twist. Whereas, and it's like a really weird thing to make a twist, but you find out, like, at the beginning, it seems like, oh, this is this rival that you've had for a long time and that you're you've been butting heads forever, and then you find out at the end, no, you two were actually friends at one point, yep, and you just and, never got the full context until the end, yeah, and it's it's not like they even have different goals. They both want to protect Shield Knight, but Black Knight has a a different idea of how you need to go about that. He says, you know, like, don't touch her at all, you know, and then Shovel Knight is, no, we need to restore her back to what she was. So just the fact that, and then like when you, you leave, it's not like, you know, you bash his brains and then he dies. He's like, okay, you know, you defeated me. Um, I respect that. You know, be careful going forward. Don't, you know, hurt her. So I, I actually really thought that that was interesting. Like when it got to that point when you beat Black Knight the second time, it's just like, whoa, there's like, like this is like nuanced. Like this is not what I thought it was. And it just brought like a whole new depth to it. Yeah, so yeah. It, it just goes to show that even a simple story can be very effective if executed well. Yeah. Um, yeah. One more thing before we move on. I just want to say this. Um, Shovel Knight's in-game sprite looks way better than his official character design. Yeah. Um, I, I just, that's something I need to get off my chest. Is that <laughs> he's, the, the official sprite, uh, the sprite in the game has kind of these thin arms that I think honestly makes a much more endearing character design while he's got like this really bulky, uh, stout mm-hmm. look in the official art. And I, I much prefer kind of the weird noodle arms personally. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, okay. that's one of the reasons that I haven't bought the Amiibo. amiibo. Yes. Which oh, is I actually very... have the Amiibo. <laughs> I, I wanted to get <laughs> the, the co-op stuff, but uh, then they made that. So you don't need the Amiibo for that. Now I just use it for the little fairy that like tries to pick up <laughs> gems but can't. It's adorable. <laughs> I call him Little Diggy. Uh, it's very cool that Yacht Club took the risk and that kind of financial investment to do a physical run of Amiibo. And they were the first third party to make an amiibo and i believe the only other one by now is the mr salute the sun dark souls man uh, uh yeah solaire yeah. solaire of astora yeah. um so the starlink things star the starlink are those, are those amiibo or are those not technically i don't think they're That's... technically amiibo i know that That's there are question. some i think blizzard released some for diablo 3 but they were just like um Oh yeah, uh, a remake, a recasting of a, um, a a figure that they had already produced. They just turned it into amiibo. Uh-huh. Right. Well, that was very cool that they stepped out, and an indie company was the first one to do that. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, Simeon. <laughs> yes. You mentioned a little while ago that Plague of Shadows was your favorite. Why is that? I think it comes down to two things. One is control. I felt like 
I playing that was just a lot of fun to control. Like the, to me, there was no way around it. I really loved the way that um, Shovel Knight was simple, mm-hmm. and I loved the way that Specter Knight felt. Um, but both of them, I think you were um, relatively. I say limited, not because it's as like a bad thing, especially Specter Knight. Like the what you could do with what, uh, the scythe was really cool, mm-hmm. and you could use it in different ways. But the fact that you could use all these different combinations and strategize, okay, this is how I'm going to go through here, and you have your favorite combinations, and it's not just you go through and you use what you have in different ways. No, you use different tools to get through it yeah um so there was that gameplay he was a lot of uh, fun to control even though the stages were very very similar um and the other was the the story i actually really really liked um plague knight as a character and seeing that he was kind of kind of like this boss that had like power and you felt in control but whenever you weren't in a stage and you were just left to look at Plague Knight, who was small, and like he, you, you felt like this, like okay, he's really not that intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I found that found that kind of juxtaposition kind of interesting. He's a boss and he's bossing all these people around, but he's really not intimidating. And then like he's really awkward around Mona. And he's like, I thought that that romance was really cute. Um, but um, just just how he looked and how he acted, I found was really interesting in a character. Can you imagine Capcom even attempting to have that kind of compelling backstory no. for just a random boss? No. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really pulled it off. Um. Well, Scott, what were your thoughts on it? I liked Plague of Shadows a lot. Simeon helped me pick the right <laughs> bombs and stuff because I don't have the patience for that. I don't like options. Yeah, I like upgrades and being told, hey, you got a better bomb or a better casing or whatever. But when it comes to I have to make a bunch of decisions in different combinations, almost like alchemy, which goes along well with Plague Knight. But that just wasn't <laughs> for me. Uh, but when Simeon got me set on the right loadout, and uh, I was having fun with that. All right. Um, I'll admit, uh, Plague of Shadows is actually my least favorite. Um, fight, fight, fight. No. There's, <laughs> no. there's no fight there. I definitely see why Plague of Shadows um, wouldn't be somebody's favorite. I, I, I found it just... Well, one, I don't remember the movement feeling that good because you're kind of just exploding mm. and then being launched in directions and you don't really feel like you're in control uh, that often. And I remember because of that, I spent my whole, the, pretty much the whole game with my thumb down on the charge button. Um <laughs> As as a Mega Man player, I guess that didn't bother me as much as somebody who's so used to that. Yeah, Simeon's thumb is just constantly exerting pressure, even when he's not playing games. Yeah, see. <laughs> uh, so, I, I had issues with that, and I also agree with you know I'm not someone who's adverse to complexity and learning nuance, but I 
just did not feel like it worked in the context of uh, all, all of the different options with the bombs necessarily worked in the context of a side-scrolling platformer where you have to open the menu to uh, assign your combination. Uh, that, I think, was another advantage to playing on the 3DS is yeah. I didn't have to open up a menu. Uh, okay. I could just... Blah. Yeah, I mean, I was playing on the Wii U, so I probably could have done that, but oh. it would have been it would have been more like I would have had to actually take my eyes completely off the screen. Right, that's but, what Miyamoto wants you to do. <laughs> that's why he so, made that. <laughs> um, I, I I I took it, some issue with some of the gameplay. Uh, I I didn't think it it was quite as refined as Shovel Knight, and it was also just um, it, you know th- there was a lot that kind of slowed it down. Uh, and also, I wasn't a huge fan of the story. Um, I don't know, personally, and maybe it's just because I, I've gotten jaded and bitter, but I'm not a huge fan of romance as, as a motivating factor uh, for a Happy character. Valentine's Day, Glenn. Oh, yeah, happy Valentine's <laughs> happy, Day, Glenn. Yeah. Happy Single Awareness Day. Um, Part, I don't know. It's one of those things that I've seen that as a motivation for just so many stories. So it it, it just came across as kind of, um, I think trite is a bit too harsh of a word, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'd seen it before, you know? Right. Um, You've seen romance before? Well, yeah. <laughs> Whoa! <TV. laughs> that is shade. <laughs> Spill that tea. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, the story didn't really appeal to me, um, and, and the gameplay just didn't... It felt just a little bit off. Though I was happy to see Zubaz finally find a place where he fit in. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what are you talking about? Zubaz, he's one of the mid-bosses you can find wandering around the overworld, right? The the big guy with, like, the face paint and the... Oh, um... What's it? This is not... Did you say Zubat? It's Golbat. Zubaz. With oh, a Z. Oh, Baz. Baz. Yeah. Okay, I thought you said Zubat, and I'm like, what? What? No, no Zubaz, cool and he he <laughs> finally found a place where he can he can uh, fit in. Uh, which, oh, that's right. Yeah, you can recruit him at one point, and, and that was really sweet. And that's one of the things yeah. I like about Shovel Knight is it, it does have its, its little sweet moments like that. Um, but yeah, uh, not a bad game in the least. It, it was still a, a very very good game. Just I I think it doesn't hold up to to the others. Spectre of Torment is probably my favorite or tied with Shovel of Hope for my favorite. Real quick before we move on, I would like to point out that um, Plague of Shadows was my game of the year. I think it was 2016. Congratulations, Plague of Shadows. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a rough year. Pokemon Tournament was real close, but uh, Plague of Shadows was probably the best game that I played that year. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like the most memorable moment from that was one that happened by accident for me was uh, watching 
the uh, you can like there's this one point Ramona's like dancing in the lab by herself, and you get an mm-hmm. achievement for just sitting there and watching her for a long time. <laughs> it is like the achievement is like that's not creepy at all or something like that <laughs> um and i got that by, by accident because i thought it was it was a cut scene so it's like okay i'll just sit back let this play out and then it gives me an achievement for that <laughs> it's just like, oh am i supposed to push a button <laughs> now i feel bad <laughs> when glenn is in court for creeping on a on a woman dancing alone <laughs> He's gonna say it's an accident. He's gonna a woman dancing gonna, alone in my lab. Yeah, they're gonna bring that uh, um, that achievement up in yes. court as evidence. <laughs> this is not without precedent. Okay. Uh, okay anyway, okay. Spe- moving on. Spectre of Torment. Which no, I, I always get confused with Plague of Shadows because of the name. No, I think we should talk about this more, Glenn. So, how long were you watching? <laughs> All right, Spectre of Torment, one of my favorites, probably tied with Shovel of Hope for the top spot. And I think I would probably feel differently if I had bought this game on its own. I would like it to be a little more meaty Mm. for a full price, but as an expansion, as an added free DLC campaign, I loved how it was really streamlined because there was no overworld. You just went to your magic mirror on the wall and went to a level. So... I was very happy with how focused it was and how I was able to just get straight into the gameplay and beat levels one by one, and it felt really good while doing so, like you already mentioned with the scythe, that um, he feels very good to control, and I thought that was kind of a return to form from the overcomplicated Plague of Shadows for someone who is impatient like me. Now, maybe I'm wrong about this. Were you able to select eight levels at the beginning, you could play any of the yeah. levels in any order, right? Yep. Ah, oh, that's so... See, that to me is almost more impressive mm-hmm. than... Well, maybe not. Maybe it isn't. But I, to me, that's really cool that like, you know, with Shovel Knight and Plague Knight, you see the progression. Yeah. You progress through the stages and then with Spectre Knight, it's like, well, you could tackle any of them and some of them might be easier, but yep. I don't know. And I don't remember anything about the story, so you two will have to fill me in. Um, well, going to the gameplay first, um, I, I did really like the controls. Uh, it felt really good, and uh, Spectre Knight is very um, mobile. Uh, my issue, though, is that it's it takes a lot of practice to get good with him. Like he, mm-hmm. it, It's a very technical, very uh, kind of finicky Thing. So there's a lot of split-second timing. Otherwise, you might send yourself careening into a pit instead of flying over uh, an obstacle. Uh, and the wall yeah. climb takes some time to get used to as well. It does, and that actually gets triggered when you don't want it to yeah. pretty frequently. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the gameplay. Um, I, as I've said, it's the simplicity, but as far as like... The technicality of using those simple tools um, is great, and I love the tower um, where you know you're going up the elevator, and there's that headless guy that's trying to murder you or whatever. I can't remember exactly. It's been a long time since I've played this, and I've only played through the campaign once. But like, I loved going to that. Like, you can go to that right away, and then like you only get like 
a little ways and you're like, oh, you know, I, I almost had it or whatever. You know, you think you almost had it or whatever. And then you like play a few more levels and then you go back and you see how the levels have progressed your skills and how much further you up to the top you're able to get. And like, I don't know, just that back and forth of doing the levels and then going back and trying that mini game. And then like, I never got to the top of that, which I, I'm pretty sure I was, I was right there. Uh. And I just like thought I was there and then missed a button press or something. And, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I like right now, I really want to go back and try it again, but, uh, being able to see that play out in an area of the game that's always accessible, but you just have to be good enough to complete it, mm-hmm. I think is what was a really cool, um, addition. So, uh, speaking of the story, um, this is, on one hand, I really like it because it's it's a, um, it, it gives you a lot of backstory on the characters and how they wound up where they are, um, and it, it, it's, it's a bit darker, it's a more and more macabre story that that's kind of plays out like a tragedy, and so you, you do really feel for the main character, um, but there were a lot of points that, like, by the, this is really, and we're going to kind of come back to this with King of Cards, but this is kind of where I started going, wait, why Why does this matter? What? What's going on here? Because there were a few points mm-hmm. that I just don't think were explained very well. Um, mm-hmm. Like, is it okay if I go into detail and s- spoil it? I, I think we can at least say spoiler alert at, at this point. And I think it's been out long enough, but... If anybody's offended well, by what it, am I saying? Spoiled. We spoiled the the Black Knight thing for Shovel of Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the backstory is that uh, Specter Knight was a treasure hunter, and he uh, ventured to the uh, what is it, the Tower of Fate, um, with uh, a friend of his to try to get an amulet to protect that friend's son. Um, uh, I think the friend's name was Donovan. So, uh, or was that Spectre Knights? Whatever, point is. I can't remember. <laughs> Spectre Knights Donovan. Okay. Spectre Knights Donovan, the other one is like Leyland or something. Um, so, I think it was Golbat? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we don't really know why he wants to protect his well, uh, son for most of it. So you, you kind of have this vague, like, is, is his son cursed or something? And by the end of it, you just find out, no, his son's rec- just kind of reckless. And it's like, well, th- that sounds like a parenting problem to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you should, just, you should just go home and parent your child instead of running off, leaving your child alone to go die in some <laughs> godforsaken tower. In, in the words of Guile from Street Fighter. Ah, uh, the famous theologian. Yes, the famous theologian, Guile from Street Fighter. Go home and be a family man. Amen. <laughs> Even if you're a woman, go home and be a family man. <laughs> so, it just... It, it didn't... Like, this, there were elements... Like, the whole time I was playing it, the, there were just these, like, little questions constantly in the back of my head that, that were distracting me from it. Um, and that's, 
you know, sometimes questions like really motivate you and sometimes they, they actually actively sap some of your enjoyment out of a story. And I would say in this case, it, it left me kind of scratching my head and going, wait, what's going on here? So I think that the writing, they, they kind of dropped the ball a little bit. I, I remember liking the story, but I only played through it once. And I don't remember, I just remember like, being invested but like as far as like the storytelling and the actual story i i remember very little of what you said like i remember like bits and pieces but um it's something that i need to really play through again to even speak about so yeah and i I don't want to imply that i didn't enjoy the story because i was invested in it um like i did like the sort of the tragedy element of it i just personally um I, I couldn't, I don't know, I, I just thought, like, there were some plot holes in it. It was constantly just like, okay, they're going to answer this, right? And by the end of it, the, the answer they provide was not satisfactory. Plot holes like backwards flowing rivers? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking Glenn now sounds like the 50-year-old Star Wars fan talking about the prequels. So... <laughs> I love to see oh the, the progression. This is great. <laughs> and uh, King of Cards will be like him talking about the sequel trilogy. I can't wait. <laughs> Are we good to go to King of Cards I now? I think so. Okay. I, do we do we all give Spectre Torment a thumbs up? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, d- despite my um, being a little bit confused throughout the story, uh, still a great game. Story, uh, honestly, I, I liked it better than the, uh, Plague of Shadows. <laughs> Even then, because, <laughs> uh, you know, at the very least, it was something that I haven't seen a million times. Yeah. Right. The awkward, yeah. bumbling nerd trying to get the girl. Um, <laughs> I, I hey, play video maybe, games maybe to escape reality. Thank you very so much. much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've got King Knight's campaign, King of Cards. This is the latest and biggest update that they've done yet. Simeon's going to play it later, so chime in with questions if you have any, but I don't want to start this time. Glenn, what did you think about it? Um, I think King Knight is honestly the most fun to control of, of any of the characters. Like, the the dash mechanic and then bouncing off walls and bouncing off enemies and then dashing into enemies to bounce off them and all of that. Like, the rhythm you get into and how they, like, set up some levels to be just puzzles straight up like you have to figure out very quickly what sequence of events you want to um execute um i think that is a ton of fun um so king knight is probably the most fun to play um i would say probably the items and i'm going into a lot of detail here because it's the most recent one i remember it um but the items i would say were probably some of the least interesting there were many that i just hardly ever used Oh, so there's more than four because that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there's there's a lot of items that just you know I, I got all the items for the sake of it, and that's the interesting thing is like they make it so that you kind of have to choose between do I want more health and more magic so that I can use my items a lot, or do I want a wider variety of items? So there's this very interesting balancing thing because they. Um, especially if you're not playing the actual card game, which I'll get into in a second. Uh, the actual card game, you're not going to have a lot of uh, these little, what do they call it, like merit medals to spend on upgrades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, now would be a good time. The card game, 
Um, I, I, I liked it, though I did find myself, like, sort of avoiding it and then coming back to it and playing it in short bursts. It's one of those things that... Like, I know this is probably going to come across as hard to believe... Um, just because I, I'm kind of an analytical person by nature, but I'm not good at games like chess or checkers. Mm. For whatever reason, I get really impatient uh, in games like that, uh, which is weird because I, I love games that emphasize like long-term thinking and strategy, like the Total War games. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I had a hard time getting used to it, but it's one of those things where if you like you, you sit back and you really just learn to... Uh, kind of relax and examine the board. It's, it's actually uh, a pretty fun game. Again, I'm not terribly great at games like that, so I could, couldn't really... Um, I didn't really enjoy it except in small bursts, but um, the, the aspect of like trying to figure out how to build a deck and you know what strategies to employ and looking at all of them was... Um, I, I thought it was fun. It It's definitely a diversion, in my opinion. I think maybe they put a little bit too much emphasis on it. Um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, honestly, like the um, if, if you don't like the card game, I highly recommend you at the very least go to find the uh, frog in every card house and do the um, like the win-in-one-move puzzles, because those, those are, are very fun, even if you're not mm. a huge fan of the card game, because... That's very much just sitting down and looking at it. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that you, you really don't get, you don't don't start to enjoy it until you it, you actually learn it enough to realize, oh, okay, this is about forcing my opponent into making moves that benefit me instead of mm -hmm. uh, just going, trying to snatch the, uh, the jewels that you're trying to collect as soon as possible. Right. Yeah, so it, it's like... It is one of the most passive-aggressive card games I've ever played because it's like, no, I don't want to win. I want you, you to lose. <laughs> I want you to make me win. It's <laughs> huh. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun for me to play. I'm going to enjoy that if that's what it's like. <laughs> yeah, so basically my, my tip to you is never try to never be the first person to grab a jewel because you're going to lose it as soon as that happens. What you okay. want to do is you want to set up the board so that the, the opponent is forced to move your cards onto the jewels. Uh, or you can move a character onto a jewel and get them locked into a position where they can't be moved uh, away from it. So again, it's it's a very passive-aggressive game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sad to say that I was not a fan of King of Cards or the card game Joustus. Which is really unfortunate because I love Yacht Club games. I've met them a handful of times. Uh, they've been working on King of Cards for years. I mean, I played it at PAX 2017 and 2018, and I could have played it on 2019 if I went. So they really <laughs> spent a lot of time. They made this game quite large. It's got four screens to the overworld, or three and a half, really. The last one's kind of just... Uh, you know, Bowser World type boss mm -hmm. thing. But I didn't like how they broke up the levels into so many small chunks. Really? Because it was, yeah. I liked how they used to be themed to the boss and certain enemies and certain biomes, if you will. But 
instead it's kind of this like they chopped all the levels up jumbled it into a bag and spilled it out across the overworld all different kinds of themes and enemies just mixed in and super short as well but it's like so many short bite-sized pieces that the game still felt really long like i was kind of slogging through it so part of this is my preference in gaming and part of it is just how i'm playing games lately i'm really enjoying beating games getting stuff off my backlog and things like that so i wasn't actually excited that a game that i had already beat treasure trove was updated with more stuff to do and it's like this is already kind of marked off my backlog but now it's back on and so you were already coming in with kind of a pessimistic attitude yeah well and I'll, right. I'll confess i actually kind of went in with that attitude too it's like oh right uh-huh. now uh that's out i should i should probably play it shouldn't i yeah which is why if it was the specter of torment approach it was very streamlined then i would have liked it more but then they also put in the card game mode which it was just like, why would I want to do this? This is the exact opposite of the kind of gameplay that I'm booting up Shovel Knight for. Mm-hmm. I want platforming. I want you know instant gratification. I don't want to unlock cards. Oh, this one has a left arrow and an up arrow. Great. Let me really strategize about what kind of deck I'm going to build. That was just not for me. Yeah, and something I should point out is that you... After, like, the first um, card house, because each world has a, a place where you can go to play uh, cards against various opponents, um, after that, you basically never have to touch the card game again. So if, you, uh, if you're if you thinking about picking up uh, King of Cards and you're it's like, oh, but I don't really like, you know, strategic card games or deck building or whatever, don't worry, that's that's only there for a little bit, and um, the, the first few aren't terribly difficult if you, again, just don't rush your decisions. Um, uh I would say I'm. I actually really like the fact that the levels were shorter. I do admit it does reduce the cohesion, um, uh, quite a bit. But I I like the shorter levels because I thought Shovel Knight. Like like I said, my biggest issue with Shovel Knight is I thought many of the levels were a little bit too long. Mm. Yeah. Um, though it is one of those things where it, I I can't understand how it kind of t- tires you out cuz because now there's so many more levels it is really easy to go like to beat a level and go oh wait but I still have so many more left to clear. Yep, exactly. And I think I missed a lot of those items just by skipping the optional paths on the overworld. So that's why I ended yeah. up at the last boss with only four items and two of them were one use only. I'm like what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and for context, I actually did uh, beat all of the card houses and find all of the secret exits and stuff. I have not beaten all of the card games, but I did beat like the super hard optional boss, which oh boy, that was <laughs> that was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> was he? Was that a card game? Uh, it's a card game followed by a boss fight. Okay. Huh. Um, Do you have to win every life, or? No, you don't have to rebeat the card game, thankfully, because the the character cheats just straight out. Oh, and that's another thing is you can buy cheats for the card game, and I made it a policy to not cheat. <laughs> Glenn, wow. wow, marriage material right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Podcast at twobuttoncrew.com. Send that, in your applications. No, he's he's uh, he's bitter and jaded <laughs> and isn't about that romance stuff. Just about um, watching. Glenn will never cheat on you because he will not go out with you. <laughs> <laughs> he's too good for you. All right, that brings us to Shovel Knight Showdown, a delightful local multiplayer fighting game along the lines of Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Simeon and I were interested in making an 8-bit Smash Bros-like game at one time, and what do you know? This scratches that itch a little bit. Yeah, for uh, sure. I love it. I think along with Runbow, this is a must-have for people with a Switch that have friends they get to be around and do the split the joy-con mode every so often uh it's great very customizable lots of unlockables and i will say it could use some balancing though agreed <laughs> uh specter knight is op yeah i i do think that um there are like characters that are good and there are characters that I really don't understand. Um, I think the Enchantress could be really good. I haven't unlocked everybody yet. I think Golden Armor looks like he could be pretty good. But for at least from the get-go with who you have, Specter Knight is, at least seemingly so, ridiculously overpowered. And I did not get that feeling when we played at PAX two years ago. Yeah. But when the game came out, it was like very obvious. I wonder, I know that they were like, oh yeah, we've been playing this like crazy, you know, and just making little (laughs) tweaks and balancing it out. That's what they said at PAX. And I felt like it was less balanced. Yeah, well, and there's something to be said for whether you're 1v1-ing or free-for-alling because we had to fight some other people at PAX. But when it comes to 1v1, Spectre Knight can target and just home oh, in on ridiculous. you, but in a more chaotic free-for-all environment, that might uh, shift the scales. Maybe. I mean, just like Smash Bros., there's characters that are not as good in singles as they are in doubles. True. But it's fun. Glenn? I haven't played it. Um, it is It is worth playing. Even if you're playing just one player, like I played through... Uh, the uh whatever it's called the arcade story mode yeah the arcade mode and uh, with a couple of the characters and each character is different and they have their own little dialogue and it's it's just fun to control all the different characters even if they're not characters like that you've played as before you know it's fun to play as the baz it's fun to you know play as polar knight and stuff so that's what the story is. It's a little dialogue between matches. Yeah, it's a l- little bit of dialogue between matches. They get sucked into this dimension. Oh, and there's a boss at the end that's kind of unique, hmm. but can be very, very frustrating. Huh. But is it's fun. It's, it's fun to just at least run through. I listened to the developers of Shovel Knight go on to the Nintendo Power podcast. And they talked about how it was great to make the, this story mode in Shovel Knight Showdown, especially for the Order of No Quarter Knights that didn't get their own campaigns because mm-hmm. they got a little bit of personality and a little bit of their due 
in this form, but it sounds like it's fairly limited. Yeah. Okay. It, but it's it's cool still. Did you listen to that episode, Glenn? Uh, no, it's it's in my listen to later playlist, which is probably like 150 videos long at this point. <laughs> um, I just realized we didn't talk about the story of King of Cards. Oh. Uh, there, there was a story. I'm sorry. Yeah, Scott. I I was watching Scott play, and he was literally just skipping through everything. So. I want, I'm, I'm curious as to what you think, Glenn, about the story. Okay, so I think my issues with uh, Spectre of Torment actually kind of carry over into King of Cards. Because the thing is, they, you know, we all know King Knight is kind of a jerk and full of himself. And you... As you play it, you do get to see a bit more of like his motivation. But the thing is, I don't think you really get a sense for who he is and how he got to be the way he is until about halfway through the game. And you, you kind of have to be paying attention. So the, the game starts and he just seems like a, a power-hungry jerk that's full of himself. And it's not done in a way that's like super over-the-top to the point where it's, it's in like you know, wraps back around to being funny. So I, I think they, they kind of, I think they dropped the ball on making him, um, sympathetic. sympathetic. Yeah. And again, you know, as the story goes on and he has more characters to play off of, he becomes a more amusing character. But at the, you know, that, that first impression, I, I don't think they did a great job. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you actually look at him, his circumstances and like, um, you know, think about why he would want to be a king and stuff. Because you know, he's kind of this um, poor guy. He he, uh, uh, you know, his um, they they don't have a lot of money. Uh, like he has to go out and find um, money every day just so that they can eat. Um, there there's stuff there, but you kind of have to piece it together yourself. Uh, and I, so I'm not really good at subtext stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things where as the story gains momentum, it becomes a lot better. Um, and it's also, it, it answers some questions that you never really thought to ask. Um, in the original Shovel Knight, like how did the bard lose all of those, um, all of those, uh, pieces of sheet music that he wrote? Um, that's answered in, in uh, King of Cards. So there's, you know, there's there's like a, a bunch of nice little uh, nods if you've played the original Shovel Knight. Yeah, so basically to, to summarize, um, King Knight, it, uh, inter like, entertaining character, uh, just the first impression doesn't really endear you to him, and... Um, it's it was kind of hard for me to shift gears uh, after that. Uh, I see first impressions and stories are really important for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's guess each other's favorite campaigns. Despite oh, the fact that are. two of us have already openly admitted what our favorites were, I'm guessing Simeon's is Plague of Shadows. I'm also guessing that mine is Plague of Shadows. <laughs> um. Glenn, did you say which one was your favorite? I made it a point not to. Okay. <laughs> Scott, did you say that um, uh, Shovel of Hope was your favorite or whatever? Yes, and I said it's tied with another one. Oh. 
but it's okay. I only said it twice. Spectre of Torment. Yes. Good job. All right, Glenn, All right, what's Glenn, your guess? I, I'm, I'm guessing that your favorite was Shovel of Hope. That is correct, actually. Yes. Uh, I my favorite was Shovel of Hope just because looking back on it, um, like I said, I think it has the broadest appeal and it's let let me put it this way, I would not recommend any game in the like you play any game in this series without playing Shovel of Hope first. Like Agreed. you have Agreed. to have you have to play the first Shovel Knight to really appreciate what the other games are trying to do. So. <clears throat> The other games, that's why I consider them like sequels or spinoffs. Uh, maybe spinoff would be a better term because they're mm. um, they're really trying to like build upon that foundation, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think they necessarily stand on their own. Gameplay wise, maybe probably, but as far as everything else, yeah, well, in terms of story, like um, Specter Knight is. Oh, this is a prequel. This is explaining. Uh, how the Order of Quarter came together. King Knight uh, explains, um, you know, how that, like, kind of how King Knight's... Um, when, when you beat the game, you'll see, like, a lot of stuff uh, of, like, the world surrounding, uh, you know, the world that you go through. There are a lot of little details that you go, oh, so that's a result of what King Knight did. Mm-hmm. Um so there's and you don't get that sense of oh unless you've played Shovel yeah Knight and first. It, if yeah and like I said King Knight answers a bunch of questions you didn't even think to ask so it's it's one of those things where um, you know again like the bards sheet music being scattered and there's some other things but uh, so it's it really is one of those things that you would not appreciate it if you haven't played the original Shovel Knight mm. final words. Um, if you have not played Shovel Knight yet, go out and do it. Um, if, if you like, uh, platformers, like 2D platformers in any capacity, this is one of the best ones out there, period. Not just for modern generations, not just in the, um, you know, kind of retro throwback category. Just Shovel Knight is just an amazing, uh, platformer. Uh, and you should, uh, you know, I... I give it the highest recommendation I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yep, and you can get it on cartridge disc on a different platform if you want to. The whole thing is complete. I'm so happy for them that they finally fulfilled yes. all their commitments, able to move on to a new project now. There are some things to look forward to. They, Yacht Club is publishing a ninja game. forget exactly what it's called. It's developed by a different team, but... They are also outsourcing work on Shovel Knight Dig. So that will be interesting. A little different gameplay, a little different graphic style. But as far as what the main development team is working on, we don't know. So that's going to be very interesting. Maybe we can hear a little something from them at E3. That'd be cool. Yeah. But I'm happy for them. I'm excited for them. It's a huge success story. I mean, you can find Shovel Knight in so many different indie games. He is like the hidden Mickey of indie games they pretty much lend him to any studio that asks is the impression that i get yeah Um, did you hear he even made into that one um little indie game called smash ultimate 
Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> he did. That, and that was crazy to see him as an assist trophy. Um, my last word, I think, is, is going to be similar to Glenn's, is that you know I cannot recommend this game more like it's not just for people who like retro platformers it's if you like any platformers you're gonna find something especially in the initial shovel knight but once you play that you're gonna want to play the rest of it um and i don't know where i have it placed now but after i finish king of cards i'm thinking shovel knight might have to go into my top 20. (gasps) yeah oh Yeah, it's, if if I'm allowed to like lump all the games together into uh, one game, uh, it might very well be in my top ten. Nice, yeah. it's it's absolutely fantastic. My you my gotta... top ten is is pretty pretty tight, and like the number ten spot has like three games that revolve <laughs> in and out of it. But other than that, it doesn't change too much. But my top twenty, you're gonna have to kick out. Cabela's or something. Yeah, I might have to kick out uh, Cabela's. The buck stops here. <laughs> uh, for all you Mega sixty four fans out there. Well, thank you very much for listening. This has been great. We'll be back in the near future with another podcast episode. Thank you, Glenn, for putting these together and outlining and uh, trying to corral us like a bunch of angry chickens. <laughs> Simeon, where can people go to find your book? Uh, yeah, that's right. My book is available for pre-order now. If you didn't know, I was working on a book. It's called Gaming for Glory by Simeon King. Um, you can find it at smashwords.com. Uh, once it's published, you'll be able to find it at barnesandnoble.com and anywhere else that ebooks are sold except for Amazon until I sell X amount of dollars worth of huh. um, books. Um, but yeah, it'll be available. Um, it's available for pre-order now, and it will be released May 7th, unless I decide to make it drop earlier. Sweet. So that is Gaming for Glory, subtitle? Oh, uh, A God-Centered View of Electronic Interactive Entertainment. Nice. Yes. Yeah, go pre-order that. It's cheaper than Shovel Knight. Yeah, it's five bucks because <laughs> it's basically a pamphlet. Like it's not very long. I don't have words in my head. Hey, so. it turns out honoring God through gaming is very easy, and it fits with. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, you uh, you made it concise. You made it to the point, and you told people everything they needed to know without overbearing them with too much information. It's just right. That's the goal. All right, Glenn, where can people read more from you? Uh, so you can go to twobillingcrew.com slash blog to uh, read my extensive backlog of uh, eclectic and uh, weird articles. I recently wrote an article on uh, does Mario have a sleeping disorder? <laughs> what? <laughs> Very scientifically backed up and... Uh... I believe that one was peer-reviewed, wasn't it? No. <laughs> I I proved it. I'm your peer. Okay, well, I guess by that loose definition, then yes, all of my work on the site is peer-reviewed. 
Uh, well, I wish I had something to plug, but I don't think I've done anything that awesome in a while. So, go buy my book from the end of 2017, Spire of Tyranny, after you've pre-ordered Simeon's book. And I'm working on the next entry in the series. I'm excited to read it. I'm, I'm most of the way through Scott's book, The Hero, uh-huh. in 2017. Which chapter are you on now? Uh, I think I'm on chapter 13. Oh, sweet. 13 of 18, so I'm getting there. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.